One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It will be a fight. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. It will be a fight we will win. But a lot less death. But there will be death. People should be actually kept out of the country for at least 28 days. America is not prepared. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Butterfield Effect. My name's Isaac Butterfield. It is fantastic to have you with us yet again. This week's show is very, very interesting. Talking to a young man called Danny Mullen, who is a massive YouTuber from America. He's absolutely killing it over there. His channel is growing by the day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before I get stuck into that, there's a brand new merch drop in some... There's no fucking calendars around me but in a couple of days not too long maybe two weeks or something huge new merch drop ladies and gentlemen on my merch store last time it sold out in 24 hours this time we're talking i think there's 17 new items of merch it's a massive massive drop and i hope that you are all absolutely as pumped as i am for september 1st it's the biggest thing to happen in september for at least well since 2001 <laughs> I'm such a piece of shit. Ladies and gentlemen, please make welcome to the show for the first time, the great Danny Mullen. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Mullen, how you doing, big dog? Well, thank you for having me on. It is an honor, Isaac. It is an honor. I, I agree. I agree. Now, mate, we were just we just started this. And we've been talking for like 10 seconds and you said something very, very interesting. I thought, fuck that. Let's jump straight into the podcast. No fucking around. That's what that was. What did you just say to me? I said that I am a little stressed out because I'm planning a porn shoot tomorrow. And what do you mean by a porn shoot? You, 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 for people who don't know, Danny makes videos that, that I watch every single video you post because I'm a big fan. And I am always impressed with the shit that you get up to. It's, um, yeah. it's something that terrifies me, some of the things you do. It's, like, it's almost like, I mean, I wouldn't call your channel a prank channel. It's like if, yeah. if pranks grew up. I agree. I am 30 years old. I know you're a little younger than me, but still, once we get into our later 20s, you don't want to be running around there with an air horn on a golf course, recycling things that were done 20 years ago by Johnny Knoxville. So yeah, I try to, if we're going to go mess with people on the street, unless at least make sure there's some clever writing behind it or to theme my videos based on a book or a movie I like to make it more like a real life episode of the Simpsons yeah. versus Vitali ZTD, whatever the fuck from 2014. I wouldn't call me a prank channel either. Well, you did. There was a whole video based on fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Now that's a book that's on my shelf. I haven't gotten to it yet, but why did, why did that inspire you to make a whole video about it? It was the book that made me want to be a writer. So I'm going to suggest, Isaac, you dust that thing off and you crack it open. Mate, I just, I just finished 1984. I've had it for two years and I've, 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 I've never been much of a reader, but now uh, I just decided during the whole, uh, the whole coronavirus that I'm going to start reading books. And for whatever reason, I hadn't done it uh, to this point. Um, but I got through I got through a couple of books, you know, including Jordan Peterson's book, including um, uh, The War of Art, which I thought was an absolutely amazing book. Stephen, by Stephen, Stephen Pressfield. Pressfield. Yeah, just yeah. A great read. One of that I've actually just given to one of my mates who lives around the corner from me, who he writes, uh, he writes little, you know, parody headlines and articles and that type of thing about sport and about all that type of stuff. And he's, you know, he's growing. He's gone from, I think, a thousand followers uh on Facebook, he's now hit 2000. This is in like three weeks. So he's doing really well, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, just as well as I do, how hard it is to grow at certain points. But those type of books, I think have really, really helped me with not only my writing and um, I'm a comedian outside of YouTube and, and, you know, writing is a massive thing for me and, and having 
uh, having you know certain things come out of the ether, out of my brain, whatever you want to call it, that then come into jokes and then make their way to the finished product in a special or whatever it happens to be. It's always amazing how it sort of works. You sit down and these things just appear out of um, out of who knows where, really. Yeah, that's. I think that's why you and I both do it, right? Absolutely. It's, not for taking selfies of people in the street or getting people to direct message you because they want to fuck or whatever. It's because we like the experience of sitting down at a computer, drinking some coffee, waiting for something to happen, losing focus, sticking through it. And then suddenly this big creative care package comes down yeah. from the heavens. Yeah. And it's, it's a really creative joke it's a direction for a video or a stand-up bit that you hadn't thought of before that you don't think has been done by anybody else and those moments are i think what made you and i want to become comedians and what keep us doing it mm, after absolutely. uh all the bullshit starts piling up yeah. because as you know as well as i do once you're a professional youtuber or comedian you learn uh, it's a lot harder and less glamorous than you pictured it when you were looking up from the bottom and it's crazy. I mean, you can uh, genuinely create a enormous following, uh, a career. Um, you can hit these these goals of yours, your passions, from a bedroom, from a, a living room, from whatever. And yeah. I know you do most of your stuff outside, but I do most of my stuff from a set that's in my house. And I've always done it that way. I went to go and uh, you know, hire a facility where I can put different sets in. I thought, fuck it, I'll just get a house with extra rooms and just do it in there because that way I can go straight from my office while it's fresh, go straight into the room, record it, uh, edit it, and away it goes. But, I mean, it's, it, is, it is strange to see people come back and offer um, critique or they, they have a go at you and attack you. And I know that we're doing it. We will get back to the porn conversation in a minute. Cause I want to get an answer out of that. Um, I really want to know what the fuck's going on, but it's, um, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I had a massive, uh, massive reaction to a joke I told uh, in my read. I saw that. Yeah. That's, uh, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I saw that and that uh, made me like you, that you got something taken away by a, a big mainstream corporation for an offensive joke you told. I like it. Man, it was, it was full on, you know, but it was, it was, it was worth it because, um, and, and I've discussed this through videos recently, but the cancel culture is strong. And it is yeah. uh, becoming more powerful by the day. And it takes people who are taking risks to come out there, refuse to apologize and keep doing what they're doing um, to, to at least somewhat hurt their process. And I mean, you, you make a lot of offensive videos or you make jokes that, are, that could be considered offensive. And, and I, do you get much you know, hate or feedback that is negative towards those type of things? I get more of the hate and feedback of the variety you were hinting at just a little while ago, which is my own fans who just get spoiled and the next video that I put out isn't quite to their liking. I get more chewed apart from those people. And especially in our podcast, we have a podcast in addition to the main channel. And to me, podcast audiences just seem to be more toxic than main channel YouTube ones. Right. So most of it is just internal with people who are already in my tribe but I realize that's part of doing this online and um, it's, just, it's just part of our job description. Keep pushing through. I, I occasionally get a feminist who found a video of me making a rape joke at UC Berkeley on Instagram. She gets upset and direct messages me or hops on Instagram. But dude, I'm not, I'm not uh, big enough. I didn't have a Netflix deal like you did. So there isn't really end game for these pissed off feminists and these vegan bloggers to go for. They can't get me fired. They can't withdraw sponsorship support. I make my money off Patreon and merch. So what are you really going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get it too much from them, from the, uh, the PC crowd. And I hate them too. I'm not like saying they're good people. I'm, I'm with you. So with, uh, with the whole Netflix thing, uh, I, I, I talked about this when it happened. Uh, that There was never a deal. People came out and said that he had lost a lucrative deal and the newspapers just started writing, oh, it was Netflix. No, it was for you. Dude. It was never good Netflix. For, it was a very well, small platform here in Australia. And I just said, yeah, they've pulled out and people just assumed it was Netflix. So I ran with it. 
But well, <laughs> fucking good for you, man. You should go to Amazon now and see if you can get that same deal going. Well, it's on it, both, both the specials are well, one's on my website that just got released, and the other one's on Amazon at the moment. But um, the 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 recent one, uh, Antihero, that I just released, that was in front of Netflix. It was with their with their uh, their directors, their creative directors, and they said at this point in time, it is too offensive and too divisive to put on our platform. So it got rejected for those uh, for those reasons, and that's cool. I get it, but and. But Antihero is currently on Amazon? Uh, no, my first one, uh, The Butterfield Effect, which is the name of this podcast as well, uh, that is on Amazon. Uh, this one, Antihero, that I just released, that's uh, just on my website at the moment. But if you're interested, I'll send you a link. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going pick, to pick it up, dude. I'll, no, get I'll, it. I'll, yeah. send you, I'll send you a link and I don't, I don't, I don't want to scrounge your cash. You're already doing me a favor by doing this podcast. So I'll send you a link. Oh, dude, I, I can tell this is going to be a great podcast, man. I wish you would have... Uh, I wish we would have done it earlier so we get to talk for longer. I, I got to wake up early for this porn shoot, but I'm having a good time, man. I'm down to come on whenever. Let's I'm go. down let's, to come on whenever. Dude. Let's go. Let's porn shoot. What? What is? I don't want to ruin the video that's going to hopefully come from it, or if this is a hobby uh, of yours. I, no, no, no. It, it's not going to ruin anything. I'll spill all. Tell me, what? how have you arranged this? What is the plan, and what are you aiming for here? There's a guy in our crew. He's been in our crew for about a year and a half. His name is Inland Iggy. Yep. He's five foot five, Isaac. I think you might know who he is. I do. Five foot five, pure blooded Native American, has a tremendous sized penis. It is big. He is short, aka he's a porn caster's dream because he looks small and his penis looks giant. It's great. We've been talking about how are we going to get this guy in a porno? When are we going to send him up to the San Fernando Valley to be in a shoot? Well, now he's dating a girl who's a real freak. They have threesomes, and they finally decided decided to start a couples only fans. Right. So, in exchange for some promotion, I'm going to share their link in the video. They're going to fuck in a one star hotel room I found on Yelp. Cockroaches, <laughs> vomit, stains all over the comforter. It's going to be great, Isaac. They're going to fuck up there, and we're going to film it. We're going to be. I'm going to be smoking cigars right next to the bed, watching them bang. I can't wait. But the thing is, that's obviously not the sort of content that you can put on YouTube, mm. at least not if you don't want to get a strike. So what I've had to figure out is how can we craft a thing around the actual triple X scene that is compelling enough to be on YouTube standing alone and then get people interested enough to go to Pornhub and find the actual sex. So that's what I've been working really hard on is actually planning the things around the fucking scene. So what are you going to do? Just have the camera off them and focused on something else or something covering them? I think we're going to film it up close, well lit, penis and vagina, and we're just not going to show any of that on YouTube. I fucked a hooker for a YouTube video. I know, I saw that we too. Just showed, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a similar thing, Isaac. We showed the drive out, all the interactions we had with the crazies and the little desert towns around the brothel. And then we did a tour of the whorehouse, interviewed the whore I fucked, before and after but we just didn't show any of the sex that's how we're gonna do it that's how you get around youtube but you can make you can make money on pornhub too people make money on pornhub surely yeah i, I don't know how i'm just doing it because it's funny i just yeah. want some i just want a good piece of content that's i mean that's how uh i operate i'm just always thinking about the next thursday's video just like you're always thinking about the next video the next joke you're gonna write it's it never stops money. there's no end it never it, it dude and uh, you were talking about reading earlier. I've had to read a lot of mindset books this year in particular because I've had anxiety attacks, bad burnout. It's, uh, I mean, think about it. Even Seinfeld was only putting out 22 episodes a year yeah. when that sitcom was, was grinding. And all you hear from Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld is that they wanted to jump out a window from the stress. Yeah. Well, us YouTubers, we don't get an off season. We don't get to take our five million dollars an episode and go to hawaii for six months yeah we're constantly on the grind and you need to learn the tools necessary to keep yourself sane and that's why i've been reading a lot recently is to learn how to meditate take mandatory time off so uh i'm not always looking forward to my two weeks off a year mm. and i can just enjoy my monday wednesday thursday fridays as if uh, we don't have these big content creation burdens Burnout is, is a thing that a lot of YouTubers face and, and something that I've sort of, I've tried my best to uh, avoid in, in the best way you, you possibly can, you know, doing things like meditation. I didn't find 
really uh, worked for me. Um, now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for everybody. And it probably means that I just need to practice it more and more and more. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I did find that float tanks really helped me. Uh, so okay. I would yeah. do, um, and for those of you who don't know what float tanks are, you lay in, I think it's like 500 pounds of uh, Epsom salts. You float. Um, it's uh, a sensory deprivation tank. You can't see anything. You can't hear anything. And you start to basically trip. And I would do it on a Monday. So I, I, I was doing two, three videos a week. I would then go on, uh, on Thursday. I'd go and do a show Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, fly back Sunday, get home about six o'clock. And then Monday morning, I'd go and float. And I'd do this for week on week on week. And that was really, really beneficial for me. Training. Okay. I need to look into that, man. I honestly... I it's it's amazing. I live in LA. I'm sure they have them around here. There's here. heaps. There's heaps in LA. That's like I mean, yeah. Joe Rogan was talking about. It. That's the first time I ever heard about it. He's in LA. He's floating somewhere. So there's got to be. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Joe Rogan probably has a multitude of his own float tanks he does. in his house now. He does in his uh, in his studio. He's got his own float tank, which is pretty cool. Uh, but these yeah, are these sure. are really good. Like you know, that, that, there's another another good option is is training and stuff. Like I was really focused on training uh, during that time, and I know you're uh, lifting. Sorry, lifting weights. Yeah, what yeah, kind of training? yeah. That yeah. type of training. Um, me too. Jujitsu was another big one for me. I got stuck into that. I know you're a jujitsu. You're a purple belt, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I haven't trained since 2017, and I think it would really, really help because jujitsu, like an isolation tank or like meditation, it clears your mind of all your worldly troubles. Absolutely. When you're on the jujitsu mat and a brown belt from Rio de Janeiro is trying to strangle you unconscious. You can't think about the video edit you're working on. You can't think about the shoot you got coming up on Saturday. You got to think about staying alive. Yeah. And absolutely. I imagine it's like the benefits you get from meditation and from floating, but it's fun too. It's like a game. So yeah, man, I think getting back into jiu-jitsu would help me a lot. One of the things I learned from jits was having someone on top of you in a bad, bad situation, uh, you're being crushed or you're being someone's trying to choke you or whatever's sort of happening to be able to stay there in that very moment and be in that moment and just like relax, let everything go and trying to think your way out of this problem. It's basically problem solving for brutal, brutal human beings. That's, yeah. that's all jujitsu is. And I know Joe yeah. Rogan has a better quote than that, but that's basically what it is. And that's how I, I sort of learned from that to put that into situations that happen on stage. Say a heckler yells something out rather than hitting back really quick, which sometimes can be really, really beneficial. You can hit back really quick and everyone loves it. Or you can take an extra moment, deal with that stress and then, you know, perform or, or, or give back some sort of comeback that is much more enjoyable or more funny yes. or whatever. Um, you know, it's, I've been watching Jeff Ross a lot, the way he interacts with the crowd and I don't think Jeff Ross, I've been listening to his old records and I don't think they're that great, but I think as of the middle 2000s, he's really done some special stuff. That jail special he did. That's the great. Boston Police special. They're, fan, they're probably about as good as comedy can get. I've been watching him. So much about dealing with hecklers too is his composure and his posture. He's so relaxed. If a line or a retort comes to him, it comes. If yeah. not, he moves on. He asks another question. He gets more information out. Just like in jujitsu, you try a counter to the choke. If it doesn't work, you get more information about what the guy's doing, then you try something else. But, but that's interesting, Isaac, what you're saying about the speed retorts versus the well-thought-out nuclear bombs. Yeah, and, and, and both, can be both work. You know, yes. both are very important. And with yes. Jeff Ross, the more you do stand-up, if you're doing like last year, I had um, I toured across six different countries. Uh, the plan was to get to the states uh, in April. That didn't fucking happen. Uh, thank you very much, China. Um, <laughs> but I got to do like 90 shows in that time, 91-hour shows across all uh, six different countries, and you hear everything. You hear every you know heckle. You hear everything, and you just have comebacks ready. You write comebacks for that. But sometimes yeah. something will happen, and your natural humor or your natural sort of speed will just hit them with something perfect, yeah. and it goes off like. Thank you. I got a coffee. Very nice. You're an assistant. It's hard to know what's going on with your uh, your background there. There's <laughs> not yeah, much going then, on. But then, uh, but then also, Isaac, you're so lubricated as far as your tongue and your mind from being on stage and putting in those reps. It's, uh, I, I can't really think of anything that's more of a metaphorical muscle 
than comedy. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, I haven't trained jiu-jitsu in three years. I can still go beat the shit out of somebody in my backyard right now. Comedy, though, writing, especially podcasting. I had to go do a warm-up Patreon video before this to get my tongue loose, and that was miserable. That is not going to be a good piece of content. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I'm sure you were a fire-breathing dragon up there on that stage after 91-hour shows well, you once get, you hit. You are, and you are, and you fire up, and it's almost like walking – out into a fight you know you're fired up you want to i mean i sort of i i wrestled with this in my mind uh when i was first starting doing tours and shows and constantly doing stand-up it's like do you want to be fired up when you walk out there or do you want to be more calm and zen and i know a lot whether you're in a whether you're playing you know football or you're a ufc fighter or you're fighting whatever mma division or, or company uh, that's around you are either a person that wants to get really fired up and your coach is slapping you or you're a person that's completely zen I find that if I'm fired up I perform better so I like to have a couple of drinks and I like to walk out there I can do it sober and I do do it sober a lot of the time because if you go and get on the piss you know Friday Saturday Sunday every single weekend for 52 weekends of a year you're going to be a mess and so you know sometimes yep. you just got to calm it down a bit but I can go out there sober and do it. But when you're sort of lubricated, you've got, uh, you know, you've got a couple of whiskeys under your belt. You go out there and you just don't give a fuck. You go after people and you know it's going to work because that's, that's the number one thing that gets me anxious before a show is being terrified of letting people down because they're paid good mm. money to come along. And that's what I, mm. that's what scares me. That's what keeps me awake at night, you know? Yeah. Hey man, it's, uh, this is really, really interesting. I don't think I've talked to a comedian on a podcast or even face to face who's been able to get this deep into the art of performing, man, because I have the same dilemma. Am I going to go in calm and relaxed? Am I going to channel more of a Todd Barry style standup? Or am I going to go out there like I'm Tom Brady and there's two minutes left in the Super Bowl? Yeah. What kind of headspace do I want to be in? I figured, or I found that when I was competing jujitsu, I wasn't that good, but I won and placed in a lot of like regional California tournaments, fought good guys. Jujitsu, it was always acoustic guitar, emo rock, all but meditating, my heart barely beating in the corner, not getting psyched up at all, and I performed the best because I needed to keep the lactic acid out of my body. In comedy, I put on Slayer. I'm jumping around. I have a personal moment in the car beforehand where I'm like, I have to get myself prepared to die. Because a lot of the shit that I say to people out in the street who may or may not be armed in the ghettos of Los Angeles, I could get shot or stabbed. Absolutely. So it, it is, but I'm, it's refreshing to hear. It's, it's great to hear somebody who weighs that question the same in their head. Like what kind of preparation am I going to take mentally before this performance? And when you're on the road, you have a lot of time to think about these things. And I'm lucky I get to travel with one of my best mates who's also my tour manager. And we have, you know, I met him, uh, the company who, who, who manages me, they just gave me him one day and I was like, fuck this. I don't want to work with this guy. I don't know this dude from Adam. And, and it turns out we're best mates, you know, which is, which is wonderful. And that's great. But you do have time on the, on the road when you're by yourself and, and it gives you time to sort of work these things out. To give some um, background on what you mentioned about anxiety and stuff before. So I, I have this weird form of epilepsy. And it's, it's not really epilepsy, but it is epilepsy. It's the same sort of family. Anyway, I lose control of my head. It turns like that. And I go blind in this eye for about 10 seconds. Happens very rarely. Yeah, it's fucking full on. And I, yeah. I used to play a sport called rugby league, right? So it's like rugby, but it's like... It's in a league. It's, it's in a league of its own. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> rugby league is like back in England, right? There was uh, the rugby guys who were all the university guys. And then the rugby league guys were all like the working class, the coal miners and all that type of shit. It's a much better and much more brutal game. Anyway, yeah. so I played at the front, uh, which means basically you, have, you take the big runs. There's no pads, all that type of shit. And when I would have these big collisions, my head or whatever, you know, I got knocked out a fair bit. Well, not a fair bit, ah. but, but enough over a long, probably about six knockouts over a It's a lot feet. of knockouts, dude. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Eventually, that's why I stopped was because, you know, I want a career where I speak for a living. And if I'm constantly having these concussive injuries, and the more you look into concussion and uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is uh, CTE, man, it's a fucking dangerous sport. 
and my old man played it professionally for mm. uh, like nearly 20 years. And, you know, his, his big thing was um, uh, he comes from like a, a rough background and he was a tough motherfucker. Right. So I was talking to him about it yesterday. Actually, there's these things called scrums where you come together, both big packs of the forwards, the biggest people in the team, they come together in like that. And his big thing was, uh, when he'd come together with these guys, he'd just throw headbutts in every time, just headbutt after headbutt after. Man, he's the toughest person I've ever met. And I say to him, yes, I said, that's fucking terrible for your brain, Jones. That's fucking terrible, mate. And, you know, he's a really successful guy in business and a very, very smart and very well-read uh, human being. And thankfully, at the moment, he's, he's, he's quite, uh, quite lucid uh, as anyone at 52 or 53 or whatever fucking age he is. But um, to go to go on another tangent, there are studies that have come out that have been repressed allegedly by a certain sporting code in Australia about these, uh, these guys from the sixties who have all since passed away, but like yeah. 75% of them all died from Alzheimer's. So mm. man, there's a lot of interesting stuff to come out of that, that side of the game. But anyway, you know, you'd, you'd have a run, you'd run into the other pack of the big forwards, you hated yeah. go moving. And then I'd have these weird seizures. Now, I stopped playing and then one just sort of happened randomly one day. I went on a ketogenic diet to stop them happening because I read that um, children with epilepsy, uh, if they don't have, if, if they don't respond to medical treatment, this ketogenic diet can help. So I thought, fuck it, I'll give it a go. I lost like 32 kilos, which I'm pretty sure is like 70 pounds or something. Um, and so I'm six foot eight and I was like 92 or 94 kilos, which is very light for that, uh, for that height. I was a fucking, I looked like I had AIDS and, uh, which is always lovely. And I, um, so I got off the diet and one day I was just running water for the team, uh, after I finished playing and I had one of these seizures, it was very embarrassing and it was horrible. And I was, I had, I had a, my first panic attack from it and that sort of dove or, 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 or ingrained into my mind that I have to be fearful of this thing, yada, yada, yada. Down the line, I start having these panic attacks regularly. And then when I sort of blew up on YouTube, I started making videos because it was taking my mind off everything that was happening. Uh, and that's why I made a lot of videos uh, from the outset when I first started on YouTube. And I went on my first tour and I had massive anxiety attacks and panic attacks whilst on stage. And that, that was full on, but I got through that. I did that and it's a lot better now. Uh, but... I learned from that, that if you can control yourself under the most horrific of circumstances, then you can do stand up anywhere in the world in front of any crowd and you'll be fine. And that's been the mm. most beneficial lesson that I've ever learned from stand up is dealing with the, the worst with all the voices in your back of your mind, but being able to still perform, still give everyone their money's worth. And most importantly, still make people laugh. Mm. It was, it was, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a life lesson. It's something you don't, you can't really learn about until it's something you deal with. I unfortunately have only had two disastrous stand-up shows, so I can't talk from the stand-up point of view, but it is interesting from reading enough stuff, David Goggins, Jocko Willink, those type of guys once and that's why now I have it scheduled in to read for an hour every morning when I wake up. Because when you have guys like that talking to you from the page and you realize that they spent six days crawling around the sand in 20 degree water in the middle of the night, you think, oh, okay, so I, houred, I edited for nine hours today and I have to get up at 6 a.m. to shoot tomorrow. It sucks, but I can tough it out, change my mental attitude about this and go get it done. Yeah. And it sounds like, David Goggins has this phrase about the cookie jar, your mental cookie jar, where you think back to things that you did in the past that were really difficult and use that as fuel to get you over whatever hump you have to get over today. And it sounds like your cookie jar was the, were those early panic attacks you were having on stage. Mm. And now you're basically fearless up there. And it's, but it's also good to have some level of anxiety, but this was obviously way too much, but uh, you know, some level of anxiety getting on stage or making people laugh is, I think it's important. It means you still care. If you're up there and just fucking throw it out, if you're doing the same set for X amount of years. Like I went up and, and did an open mic night recently because I haven't been on stage in eight months. Everything's been fucking closed here forever. Yeah. Um, and I was nervous, obviously. And, and, and I think the thing I was nervous about was, okay, this guy's a professional comic and he's doing an open mic night. Like, 
okay, it has to be completely funny, but I was trialing a new 20 minutes and 10 minutes of it was shit and I threw it out and the other 10 minutes was great and that'll be uh, in, an, in the next special I do in, in two years or whenever it, whenever it comes out, you know. Um, it's taking those risks and it's the same with everything in life, whether it's doing a video, whether it's doing a fucking porn shoot. Take a risk, get out there and, and, and get it done. And with the motivation from people like David uh, Goggins or, or, or Jaco Willink, you need to have that motivation constantly given to you. If you are of the mindset, where, which, are, which most people are, where either they struggle to find it themselves, and I'm sort of one of these people where you constantly need to be reminded that, okay, let's do it, let's get after this, whatever. Um, there's very few people who are like Jaco Willink or David Goggins who have that um, power within their own mind or they have the ability to reach down and find something incredible and, and then bring it out. Like there's not many people like that, but for them to get out there and, and give people the ability to read that information is, is yeah. so beneficial. Um, yeah. And particularly in your country, I mean, I'm, I'm, it may be the same here, but where you get around to these, these university campuses, man, there's some fucking weak people, like just weak individuals who, at any other time period in the world, they would, they would not last. Yep. Yeah. And I don't even think so much that it, I think people in America nowadays are weak regardless of their politics. Because I think what you're referring to is you're scrolling down your Instagram feed, somebody makes a black joke and a feminist on the Stanford campus has a psychological breakdown and has to go like buy a, a fucking psychological comfort or something. Just people I day to day the amount of time they spend on their phones on instagram smoking weed lying around their couch not doing anything and i think this is important for anybody to hear who's trying to make something out of their own life if they have that drive and there's somebody like you isaac who you you work really hard on being able to motivate yourself and staying busy if you're one of those people listening you're gonna be fine because I'll tell you what, both of my roommates went to college and make $70,000 a year, and they spend 60% of their day on the couch with a backwards blunt in their right hand, a Coors Light in their left, and then their phone on their thigh watching television. Yeah. That's what I think is what's real. And I mean, it's great for me because there's less competition, and it's great for you because there are less people out there writing great jokes trying to be comedians. But I don't think people work that hard these days. No, and the thing is, things like TikTok and shit, like that gives people the ability to sort of gather an audience. But what the one thing I'm proud about, well, I'm proud of many things, but what I have uh, achieved on YouTube, and, and not to talk, you know, up my ass, but the thing is, like, people will watch a video of mine, which is basically a 12 minute or 13 minute lecture on with humor dropped in, you know, and, and, and you know, if I get 300,000 people watching that every week, I'm stoked. Because that's 300,000 engaged people. That's 300,000 people that want to see me do stand-up live. And that's where I, you know, I draw my income from. You have a very similar thing. You make videos that go for 30 minutes. And you have a large audience that flocks to that. And, I mean, you know, whether or not they stay there for the whole thing. It's the same with my videos. Some people drop out. Whatever. They are Not my videos. They watch the whole thing. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I watch the. Sure some, I watch sure the whole some thing. of them. There. I watch all your videos. So don't worry about it. <laughs> no, uh, you're a good I, man. You're doing well. Um, but yeah, you know, th- there's different things. Like there's different things that make people that entertain people. Whether it's a 12 yeah, second TikTok or a 30 minute Danny Mullins video. Yeah, I don't understand. There are so many people in LA who their whole thing is, let's take the easiest route to fame, mm-hmm. whether that's going to auditions and trying to get a producer on a television show to give you the green light, or whether that's dancing like a shithead on Hollywood Boulevard for a TikTok video. LA is also overrun with those people. It's overrun with people who are smoking and drinking all day and not doing anything. And then absolutely too, the people who want the shortcut to fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. I take a special pride also in having a podcast and a long form YouTube presence that people come to yeah. and makes me feel talented. Well, no, and it should, it means people are genuinely interested in what you do. It's not something people just throw on because they're bored. They look forward yeah. to it yeah. with, um, with things like TikTok and uh, even, even some YouTubers, you know, I, I find that 
the more life experience you have and the, maybe even the older you are when you get your kick on YouTube or TikTok or whatever it happens to be is more beneficial because I didn't get anywhere on YouTube until I was like 24 or so. I'm 27 Which now. is young, which is that even that's young. Yeah, still very young, but I had, yeah. I had worked jobs that I fucking hated. I've dug holes, dug trenches. I've worked on building sites, all this yep. shit that I fucking yep. hated. And that gives yep. me the drive to never go back to that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh, fuck it. There's something wrong with it. All right. <laughs> but there's other people I know, these great young dudes from Australia who I'm, I'm friends with, and I really love these guys, but they've never had jobs. Yep. So if this goes away, you know, it's a whole new world. Yep. Oh, we'll just get a job. But they don't know what it's like out there in the real yep. world. They don't know what it's like to put in 40 hours in a restaurant. That's the background I came from. And Isaac, you're a sage right now, man. You are really bringing my subconscious out here and, and talking about the things I think about all the time. Good. Yeah, man. It's, um, and I assume too, that because you were 24, when your stuff started to get successful, that you had had all your times drinking, chasing pussy, all that when you're younger. Also, I, I'm sure a lot of these Jake Paul type kids, these kids who make it when they're 17, 18, 19, they, if they're faced with a choice to sit down and write their next video or go out to some party in the Hollywood Hills and chase Poon, they're taking option B every single time. 100%. Which means I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who are really successful YouTubers who are absolutely crippled by partying and the pursuit of pussy. Mm. And you and me who... I, we've been there, we've had our fun. And then also like, just like you said, man, we've punched our cards for, I mean, for me, it was until I was basically 30 that I was working as a bus boy in restaurants. And, uh, I think that's going to make us better with our money yeah. forever. Like I said, money, uh, I can say these on here. Like I do. <laughs> it wasn't even a judge thought I would, uh, Hang that, you, that was the joke that got you in trouble, right? No, you, you dropped out. I don't know what happened there. You dropped out, but no, you're just trying to get me to repeat it. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm not. I heard something about Jewish, and I, maybe we shouldn't repeat uh, it. I'm no. freaking out. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was just a hack joke that I saved money like a Jew, but I thought that'd be appropriate to save on here. Uh, That'll be in a fucking newspaper article. He brings on other anti-Semites. <laughs> Fuck me. But yeah, hey, I, I have I, one of my best buddies is Jewish, and I very much admire his upbringing. They teach great financial responsibility <laughs> in those households. When I when I made that joke, uh, I'd never met a Jewish person. I'm from Newcastle, really? in Australia. There's no, there might be a couple of Jewish people here, but I've never met one. That's when people were saying, yeah. "Oh, you're an anti-Semite." I was like, "I don't know any of the cunts. Why, why yeah, would yeah. I be anti-someone?" Well, they're pretty normal people, Isaac. Uh, a guy, <laughs> one of my best buddies is Jewish. Him and I have double penetrated two girls. So he's, he's certainly not a prude. And he's in one of my videos, an Edward Forty Hands video. He pisses into a 40 in a, on a very public street in Las Vegas. And then I drink it. So don't judge a Jew by its cover always. <laughs> Some of them are, are quite the character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, Jews, hey? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the, the the ability to have that work that have it have something behind you. You know, as you said, I I had all my partying. I went out and got blind and all that type of stuff, and carried on. And now I don't I love this. To, I love this idiot blind piss for alcohol. It's sweet. I'm not used to it, but I like it. Right. All right. So yeah, if you get on yeah. the if you get on the piss, you're drinking. If you get blind or paro, yeah. you're really drunk. Um, <laughs> paro so paralytic paralytic drunk you're uh -oh. paro but you can't say paro you have to say paro 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 fucking paro, paro mate um you know i did all that and, and you get to a point where okay i'm trying to buy a house not gucci shoes yep and that's that's the um, difference i'm trying to put a million dollars in the s p 500 so i can live off the interest not go buy a million dollar house yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the smart so our, move. Yeah. But there's people killing, like I know you hang out with, um, or I've seen you in a couple of the Nelk videos, but those yeah. dudes are smart as fuck. I was just over at their house, Isaac. They have, cause I go over there maybe once every six months and every time they went from living in the guest house of the FaZe Clan house. So they were just living rent free. Then they got a 23 grand a month mansion, fuck. but it was just them in there. I come back this last time, 
They have a personal chef. They have a bunch of smoking hot chicks as their assistants. They have photographers, graphic design, merch people, a team of like 40 people. And they're all wearing gold Rolexes and they're private jetting out to Las Vegas. So yeah, crushing it. It's a whole new world for those dudes. Like they, I, I'm, I, I see what they're doing and the merch game is massive. Uh, I know you're doing your own merch and, and so am I. And I think that's, that's the way to do it here. You know, we're, we're, if you, if you, you make a huge... match today, basically, by the way, we kind of came on where it's almost the same shit. <laughs> I'll send you, I'll send you a t-shirt and we'll match for the next one. Um, hey, I'm, I'm excited to watch your special, man. That sounds great. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll make sure I send it to you. Cause I will, um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I, 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 I'm proud of that shit, but you know what? I, I watched it and I helped edit it. Uh, with producer Connor, and then I watched that so many times. I fucking hate it now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's good at all. I hate. I hate every video. By the time it's time to click upload, yeah, it's just yeah. What do you go through when you when you're about to upload a video? Do you freak out if you get lower views than normal? Do you care? What is that process for you? You know, I've tried Isaac to not look at the video views for like 48 hours afterwards because I found that if you start checking views, you're just gonna get addicted to that. It's, um, I mean, it's like the same dopamine rush as looking through your direct messages on Instagram or like scrolling for big teddy girls on your feed. So I just try to stay away from it so I can be productive. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sucks if, I mean, there have been videos that I've posted that have, I mean, my, my rhythm of videos was like 150,000 views, 140,000 views, 139,000 views, 30,000 views. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, that's rare and it, if you put out consistent quality stuff, it generally won't happen. But yeah, man, it's um, that's always that's always going to be a thing about being a YouTube comedian or a content creator is that we get such immediate feedback in the yeah. form of comments, in the form of a thumbs up, thumb downs bar, in the form of the views, in the form of our one through ten ranking out of our. That's for the creators only. You can see where your last video ranked out of your last ten. So you uh. You just have to realize, I guess it's part of the job and that anybody who's doing anything successful in life has to deal with their own metaphor, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're the CEO of the if you're a quarterback of the New England Patriots, it's going to be, in their case, journalists talking shit about you in the press and a coach who's threatening to bench you and an up-and-coming prospect who's trying to take your spot on the roster. It, everybody deals with their fucking bullshit, dude, and you just got to do the best you can. Yeah. Pretty no. Robbins by now, and he says the rich is to give as much value as you possibly can, and just think of money as value. If you, Isaac, hit the stage and you give a unique take and your punchlines are sharp and your presence is great and you're a guy people can latch onto, you're giving tremendous value to the market, you're going to be fine. If I keep working hard and not drinking my ass off and not chasing pussy and keep putting out good YouTube videos, the money in the market is going to be there for me as long as we just keep giving value. Yeah. And that's to anybody who's listening who is in business and has similar anxiety to what we're talking about. Definitely. And you're right. We're, I've never thought about it like that. When you are an athlete or something and people are writing shit about you in the newspaper, it's, it is the same thing. And I mean, I've yeah. been guilty of refreshing views and making sure, okay, it's usually at this point, you know, it's at this many views. Oh, fuck, it's, it's often. And sometimes it's just... It's not even a bad video. It's just not, it just doesn't click with people. It just doesn't yeah. have the same ring to it that this last one did. Um, yeah. You know, I've made videos that I thought this is going to be a banger and it, it sucks. You know, I made this one video that I thought was going to go massive and it was the, like the worst viewed of the last 24 months. Like I was like, the yeah. fuck, you know, but yeah. it's, um, it's the same, as you said, the same as any job, you have your ups and your downs, but I think there is that, yeah. that, that terror, the difference with it between other jobs is there's always that that fear in the back of your mind that this is going to be the yeah. last one okay is the career yeah. over now do i need to start looking for another job like damn man yeah you're speaking such truth isaac yeah. i mean i just put out a really great video based on the beatles today and already the little voice in the back of the head like oh, you're never gonna be able to match that level of content again <laughs> like you you really fucked yourself over by putting out such a great video because now everything else is going to seem like an anti-climax it is, but it's a good um it's a good benchmark too though if you think that's a really good video and i watched it and i thoroughly enjoyed it you go out and you try and you don't have to emulate it but put that effort in you know you, you start making a little bit more money then you put another editor an editor on or you put someone yep. who's as the nelk boys do you know they grow they mm -hmm. grow they grow and the content gets better and better and better 
um, and and so does the merch, and so does the, the the audience becomes more and more engaged, and that's the that's the great thing that that's the uh, ability of being able to speak to countless people. Like you know, when you have a video that hits one hundred and fifty thousand people, like that's that's fucking incredible that you can speak yeah. to that many people. I mean, imagine being a stand-up comic in LA, just slugging it out in open mics. You and I chose definitely the right road to comedy, man. I, I mean, I don't have much sympathy for these comics who just do it purely old school style. No. Like at some point, you got to take a look around and realize, hey, I, I read a book by a guy named James Altucher in 2013 called Choose Yourself. And that was my first introduction to this new social media economy where people are making their own TV shows. They're selling their own clothing purely online. They're whatever, teaching a skill like guitar on YouTube. If you don't use the internet these days to choose yourself and elevate yourself for whatever your business or professional goals are, you're just being lazy yeah. is my take on it now. Yeah. So I don't have much sympathy for the struggling actor and comedian who's a purist. Nah, I them. went through that for a while. Fuck I man. wanted to be a I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write books, Isaac, like novels and like comedic short stories. And for a while I went through that whole like, no, I'm going to be pure. I'm going to stick to my art and just put it up on a little blog. And that's it. I mean, you got to fucking sell out at some point. Yeah. I, I have a buddy who he only makes videos in his apartment, not doing anything really interesting, just talking to the camera and he's new to it. So he doesn't, he's not a good broadcaster yet. And he says, Danny, I don't like to go outside into the real world. I have anxiety. And I just tell him, fucking tough, dude. That's what anybody, you got to put yourself in points of discomfort and make that your new comfort. Yeah. Like Jocko would say, you just, or like uh, David Goggins would say, he talks about having um, a governor. Cars have a governor that keeps them below a certain mile per hour, or I guess kilometer per hour where you are. And you can take that off and the car can actually go a lot faster. Humans, ha we have a governor too. We think we're only capable of so much output, whereas if we get ourselves in the right mindset, we could actually push far past that. Yeah. So if you're a struggling actor or comic, you can hit your three open mics in one day but still spend the next morning putting out content on Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. You just have to get yourself in the mindset that it's possible. It becomes a dedication thing, you know, and I, I lost a lot of friends. I stopped going out all the time. I stopped doing all that type of stuff. But this, yep. was, uh, this was going to university for me, you know, doing all this type of stuff, writing, reading, whatever it happened to be. That was going to uni for me. And I, I think it's just so helpful for people to hear things from people like yourself who have, have, have done it, who are doing it, that it is possible to do it. Man, there is a huge portion of the comedians, open mic comedians, or even just established comics in Australia who look down upon people who put content out on the internet. And it is absolutely yeah. retarded. Like you are giving up on the best way to reach people, the best way to you know grow your own audience. In Australia, if you want to be a successful comedian, you have to be picked up by one or two agencies and then they put yep. you on the telly and that's it. Yep. Otherwise yep. you're fucked. Otherwise, you know, yep. when I started stand up, I'm a straight white dude. I mean, there's too yep. many of me. They don't want to pick yep. up me. They don't want to pick up offensive yep. material. I can't be on the TV yep. before 8.30 yep. at night. So. Yep. What do you yeah. do? Are you gonna are you gonna beat out the black lesbian transgendered who uh, started comedy six months ago? Like, I mean, they're gonna climb 100%. the ladder way faster than you in terms of Netflix. And that's, I mean, that's just nothing against them. And if you want to go the traditional route and stand up, if you're a talented straight white guy, I think you can still make it. But the problem is, what if somebody at Netflix is like, oh, he's too old, or oh, he made this joke that was problematic five years ago about Mexican people? Nah, he's not for us. And if you put out content online on multiple platforms, you're all but eradicating the possibility that's going to happen. Absolutely. Grow your own audience, cement your own brand, if you will. And, yeah. you know, it's basically giving you a future or giving you somewhere and, to, to put all your, all your efforts into. And don't you feel, I don't know about you, Isaac, but I feel now that I've made it happen for myself, I've made a business out of my comedy online, that I could go succeed in any field. Like, even if I got completely deplatformed, kicked off YouTube, kicked off Instagram, my podcast got pulled off Spotify, I still feel like I could go work at a construction company down the street and using my skills, I could be in a managerial role making six figures within like three years. Yeah. 
because we've already climbed the mountain once and it, it feels good to take control of your life. So it's like you said, it's, it's a university in a way. It's a life university yeah. when you're making something of yourself online. Well, something that's crossed my mind recently is perhaps not doing it in the next couple of years, but maybe 10 years down the track, maybe going and doing a degree, you know, not necessarily to follow it uh, as a job or maybe, maybe I will, but going and doing some more learning because I'm an older person now, older than when I was 18 and you're supposed to yeah. choose your, your major and what you're going to get a degree in, uh, yeah. which I think is highly ridiculous. Um, you know, it's you get retarded. old. Yeah. It is. It is like yeah. 18 year olds don't know shit. Um, yeah, man. 27 year olds don't know shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know shit either. <laughs> um, and you know, maybe that's something I'll do in the future. But I think that now that I've learned this lesson myself and learned how to do something and, and, and gone out there and, and, uh, you know, faced adversity, but come out on the other side, I agree with you. I feel like I am built now to take on anything yep. that, that comes my way. And I think, um, yeah. I think Danny, I think that's a perfect way to end the podcast. My friend, I know you got to get some sleep because you've got a big shoot tomorrow. Uh, root, uh showing some dudes rooting, uh, well not hey, dudes man. rooting one dude rooting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, if I have enough, if I have enough to drink, I might hop in there too. And this one star motel room. That's another thing is I'm not sure if it's legal what we're doing strictly. So, uh, hang on. Have you got I'll a, just, have you got a blue light? Like, uh, I don't know what that is. So okay. Um, like, you know, the, the one that sees all the sperms and the blood and that's, like, that's a good idea. We should get our hands in one of those. Get yourself a blue be, light. I think it'll add some fantastic, cause I reckon there'd be shit all over that hotel room. Well, I hope there oh, is. Anyway. Yeah. I, I hope there is too. That'll add a big laugh. Absolutely, Isaac. But hey, man, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this podcast, dude. And I feel way better after having talked to you for an hour, man. Excellent, that was great. Hey, well, yeah. it's been a, it's been an honor to have you on. And I hope you come back later on in the year. And uh, if anyone wants to see Danny Mullen, well, I'm sure you do. Check him out on YouTube. Uh, what's your Instagram? Just at Danny Mullen. At Danny Mullen. There you go. Anything else you'd like to put out there into the ether before we finish up? Um. I was gonna I was gonna make a, an anti-Semitic joke, but nothing really uh, right. called to me. All right, but uh, uh, I've been cancelled already once this year. If I would go with that thread. Now, um, I, I guess uh, I just I'm excited to uh, send people to this podcast too because I, I just think we did a a mild, not a huge, a, a minor service for the people here. I think good. So. I think we've changed lives all over the planet. Danny Mullen, thank you yeah. very much. Ladies and gentlemen, be a good motherfucker. Peace in the Middle East. Be dick stinks. I'll see you all very soon. Toodaloo, wah, wah, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.